0: Things gay people like Things gay people like Things gay people like Things gay people like And also things that people who don't identify as gay like And I'm not saying all gay people like all these things Because we all have our own interests Hello and welcome to episode 4 of Things Gay People Like. My name is Kevin and this is my podcast It's all about celebrating whatever you like, uh, no matter who you are. Thank you for listening to the last episode, it was the Britney episode. I put up that Twitter poll about her best album with the options being In The Zone, Blackout and Other Please State. The winner with 70% was Blackout, 20% for In The Zone and 10% for uh, Other Please State but they didn't state. So we're just going to have to assume that it was Britney Jean that was their choice feel free to follow the podcast at gay people pod there'll be a poll for this episode um, and on instagram i'll throw up some pictures of the things we talk about during this episode so do have a look there and if you want to skip straight to the smash stuff there's a time code in the description down below or when i'm editing this i'll just edit myself in telling you what time you should probably skip to now about 13 minutes but yeah there's a bit of chat before then Also, going back to the last episode, my ma'am made her first appearance, it went down very well with people, so I'm pleased to say my ma'am will be back in this episode, giving her comments, having the last word on this week's subject at the end of the episode, but before that, um, if you heard last week's episode, you'll know she was asking would I do something on I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, and so I thought, what better way to cover it than by asking my ma'am what she thinks, so... I asked her to send a voice message over with her thoughts on the current series, and here it is.
1: Hi Kev, what can I say about I'm a Celeb this year? It's good, but not as good as it is in the jungle. Looking at them all covered up and cold and miserable, nah, it doesn't cut it really I feel that the women are a much stronger group this year. I feel they're all lovely and worthy in their own way. The men, ah, I like Shane and probably Jordan. I love him. But the others are very milk and watery. No, either Shane or Jordan and the rest of them can go swing for it. Usually at this time of the year, I'm kind of looking at them and they all hold up in the jungle in Australia and all I'm thinking about is by the time they get home will they have time to do their Christmas shopping or will they have time to put the decorations up or will they have time to make a Christmas cake who feckin knows bye
0: so thank you to my mum for that uh there'll be more from my mum later in the episode and in future episodes of course uh, back to this week this topic is something that I'm a huge fan of as well as my guest so hopefully you are too even if you're not, we tried to make it accessible to people who haven't seen the show. Uh, you can see for yourself how that turns out. But my guest for this episode is somebody who is the absolute oracle when it comes to Broadway for me. I think he's got over 800 CDs of cast recordings and general Broadway albums. I couldn't have picked anybody more suitable for this episode. So without further ado, let's say hello it's time for my guest who is it this week time for my guest what is the name time for my guest it's time to find out right now hi Dom hi Kevin hello how are you I'm very good thank you I'm um,
2: it's a pleasure to be
0: here Oh, listen, happy to have you. Thank you for um, agreeing to come on to talk about this passion of yours and mine.
2: Absolutely. I mean, like yourself, I've never been on a podcast and, yeah, I have always wanted to. So I just think, what a better place to start.
0: Making dreams come true. So, Dom, how do we know each other?
2: Well... Avid listeners of the podcast will know that your other guests have all had very similar connections. So I would like to have a more interesting story, but sadly it is repetitive and we went through a traumatic experience together.
0: A bit like, I think, (laughs) you know, those people that were on the Rihanna plane. Oh yeah, the journalists, when they all had to go over in the world following her.
2: And I like to think that they're all now like best friends for life because it was such a traumatic experience. And in, in many ways, I kind of feel was being in The Wedding Singer together was such a traumatic experience on many levels.
0: I mean, I kid you not, it's literally like born like a number of my best friends for life. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, And so after The Wedding Singer, we did a few more shows together, you in a director's capacity. And I like to think of myself sometimes as your muse. Um, Is that something you would be comfortable with? I mean, it has been said.
2: Let's like, I mean, the critics, the critics have always been kind to our collaboration. I mean, one of our favorites was when you got described as being perfectly able to resemble a baby.
0: I had the physique to play, believably play a baby and a toddler. (laughs) (laughs) So I think
2: it doesn't really um, get any better than that.
0: I had a bit of a diva moment about that. You did, and I had to
2: contact the reviewer and get it all taken out so those blogs
0: those blogs i mean
2: the blogs that's it
0: um you had me crawling around on the floor as a uh closeted stuttering incestuous gay uncle oh i
2: forgot all about that one <laughs> that was probably the highlight i'd say in fact you uh, did win
0: a Nodra award and for those listeners did not win did not win oh shortlisted <laughs> sorry for those of you
2: who don't know, it's basically the Tony Awards for amateur Theatre.
0: Well, there's going to be a little more of a theatrical uh, slant to things going forward. Uh, and you were the perfect person to comment on all these things. So shall we get into some news? Yes. TGPL News. So um, welcome to TGPL News. Uh, now it's over to Dom. Dom, what's your top story at this hour?
2: My top story this hour there's been a lot of royal news happening but the news that's really pulling it together is The Crown which I've just finished the new season.
0: Are you a fan of it in general and what do you think of this season?
2: Yes, I'm a very big fan of The Crown. Not through fascination of the royal family. I don't I mean I don't massively care for them, but I think this yeah, I think it's really good watching and this season has been exciting because we've got Princess Diana and we have um Margaret Thatcher so it's all mm. kind of getting a little bit closer to home yeah it's in our living memory exactly and Fergie's in it too so like what, what's better than that and are all the portrayals good I think Gillian Anderson is brilliant as Thatcher my mum who adores Margaret Thatcher doesn't think so almost unanimous praise for Diana I think um, she's brilliant and she looks exactly like her
0: That yeah that's an interesting one to me because that role seems to have been semi kind of cursed over the years you know there was that Naomi Watts. Film. Film, that everyone was like oh it's terrible and she's crap or whatever embarrassing and then there was the Broadway musical was the musical that tried to open on Broadway um, was she any good did you hear much of that or see much well it only managed to do six
2: previews so, oh did it um,
0: six wow
2: it did but uh, listeners get ready is Diana the musical is coming to Netflix in January They actually is <laughs> it January okay yeah they filmed it during lockdown so wow. we can all judge for ourselves as Diana Fever sweeps the nation I guess it kind of shows them whether it's worth when Broadway opens again in like September whether it's worth them opening it if like people like it if people watch it on Netflix and then get into it or not um
0: yeah because with Hamilton being streamable now Obviously, there's no data to suggest whether people saw it more as a result or whether it really affected ticket sales. I would have thought that if you can just watch something on Disney Plus on your couch, why would you pay the £100 or whatever many dollars to see it in person? But maybe you would be more inclined to want to experience it in person. Have you got any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I thought that was Hamilton. I think what it will have done is those who want to see it, it will have reinforced more that they want to see it live. But like... I had a lot of people with Hamilton like my brother and my sister-in-law and my sister even who like really wanted to see it on stage. But now I've seen it on Disney Plus will probably just think, all right, I've seen that now.
0: So unless you loved it, if you saw it and you were like, oh, it's pretty good, like you're not going to be wanting to go and see it. Whereas you may have been curious enough to go and get a ticket without having seen it. So my story was you may have seen this. And as a director, I would like to know your thoughts on it. Um, this guy Lucas, I want to say Lucas oh, yeah. Gage, the actor who is is mm-hmm. been in like he's a working actor. He's got he's in quite a lot of things, and he was doing this audition via Zoom. And uh, I'm sure people listening to this will know, but in case you you don't know, the director uh, spoke disparagingly about his apartment without realizing that he could be heard. And the guy, the actor, responded very like quickly, very classily. I was like, I know it's a crap apartment, but if you give me the job, I'll get a better one. And the guy was like, I'm so embarrassed. And it was, it ended up being this whole thing of who's the director. And he kind of apologised. Anyway, what did you make of all that?
2: Well, firstly, I thought the actor was like, handled it really well. Yeah, it's a shit thing to say. Also, like, you would look at that and be like, oh, that's a nice apartment. Like, he has a flat screen TV. Like, he has yeah, he has most awesome. room to stand up in. Like, But then equally, I'm like, we're in the age of Zoom. Like, who hasn't had a Zoom mishap? I'd rather hear someone bitch than have to be like, turn your mic on, you're on mute. Karen, you're on mute. Karen, you're on mute.
0: Karen, well, that's foreshadowing for um, the rest of the episode, isn't it? Such a Karen. Do you have any other uh, news stories?
2: My only other news story, I mean, to go with the theatrical um, bent, was I don't know whether you heard... The released single from the upcoming Netflix adaptation of The Prom, where Meryl Streep. Runs.
0: Oh no, I haven't got into this or engaged with it at all. I know I saw there was a song that had come out. Um, is it any good? Um, in short, no. Uh, okay. Basically, the musicals like got really good
2: songs, but yeah, they did the whole like, oh, it's a film musical, so we need to have an original song so that we can get nominated. Oh, it's a
0: new song. Okay.
2: And meryl raps
0: oh and she's rapped before right in into the woods but it just hasn't gone well this time
2: this is true she did rap in into the woods although if you would believe the internet conspiracy she didn't sing quite a lot of it or her voice was blended with others that may or may not include Don wow. Murphy.
0: Yeah, well, Andrew Andrew was propagating these conspiracies himself last on the last episode about Meryl Streep. So this is really turning into a witch hunt against Meryl, this whole podcast.
2: Actually, I remember that. And I remember I was thinking it is a true <laughs> thing that they do. And interestingly, I think at the time, there was a
0: lot of talk about them doing it in Smash. What, you mean for some of the non-singery people? Like... I think I read at the time, like,
2: some of the leads even had vocal blending involved. Um, oh. Basically, like, you sing in the studio and then mm. other people sing in a studio and then they blend the vocals together. So it still sounds like the one person, but you can add, like, more depth right. in their voice and a different, like, shade. One of the accusations against Meryl and in Into the Woods is that she doesn't have, like, a belting voice. So in, the, in some of the songs, like, Stay With Me, which is one of her belting numbers, like... That you can hear essences of other actors who have done that role before in that vocal, which is where the conspiracy came from. Oh. And I don't really oh. believe—I'm not very QAnon, so I don't believe in conspiracies in general. Um, <laughs> but I kind okay. of—I'm will, I'm willing to believe that one.
0: Okay, so we could talk about theatrical things all night because you know so much about that world, but we're going to focus a little bit more. We're going to stay in that world, but we're going to focus a little bit more on our topic. So shall we do the deep dive? Yes, please. You, you know, it's time to the deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive. Everybody, Everybody want a deep dive, deep, dive. deep dive. So Dom, you are here and I am here to talk about the TV show sensation that is short-lived but fondly remembered, smash. This is true. This is, I was saying before that like the previous topics for the podcast were like things that my guests really love and I'm like, oh yeah, I like about that. Whereas this is one that I absolutely adore. And would you say that you feel similarly?
2: It's absolutely in my top 3 television programs of all time.
0: Before we go any further, what else is in there? I think my top well in fact my top
2: 1 is The Comeback,
0: which Oh, amazing.
2: Yeah. I know you also like um Yeah, I love it. And I think that is definitely one of the best pieces of television ever created and it's so ahead of its time yeah. in many many ways. Then probably Smash and then Summer Heights High. I just can't
0: Yeah, I love Summer Heights High too and the more time that goes on People just seem to be kind of starting to hone in on it in terms of it being, you know, problematic in whatever way. Um,
2: Although, the thing with Summer Heights High, I think two thirds of it is genius, and I never, the most problematic third, I never really liked that character as much anyway.
0: Ah, the Jonah stuff. Yeah, Yeah. it
2: was just, whereas, and actually,
0: even if you you boil it down to what
2: I actually really love in Summer Heights High, it's basically Mr. G.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Smash holds a, a position in your top three. Definitely in my top three too. I don't know what else I would put up there. Mm, I have loved Succession uh, this year. Anyway. of
2: course. Yeah, no, but Succession is like like a beautiful like five course meal, and like you don't. Know- you don't want that every day and there's some days like you just it's difficult to watch like it's, it's but like it's not my like comfort go-to
0: no i get that like the Whereas... sopranos
2: like the sopranos i think is obviously incredible but i don't have an annual rewatch of the sopranos
0: oh yeah let's talk about let's talk about that so back to smash tell me about your rewatching habits
2: Well, it just started, I guess when the DVD came out and I just, I always had an annual rewatch and I'd always like time it so that it would end around Tony week, so I think it would always, okay. <laughs> it would probably start from like Love that. Tony nominations where like there was lots of buzz and you were like, oh, I'll watch this. It's the perfect like time to rewatch. So I just got into the habit of like rewatching it between Tony nominations to Tony Day. And the-, the remarkable thing, which listeners might not know, is it kind of has evaded streaming platforms. So like I literally have to crack out the DVD and remember which device actually plugs into a DVD player these days to watch it. So it's yeah. There's like a lot of
0: effort involved. I can't think of many other shows that are so inaccessible for like a new person to investigate. So if anybody's listening to this who hasn't seen it, this episode is probably the only exposure you can really have to it, apart from whatever you find on YouTube, because it's just not really available to watch on anything. You can pay for the episodes, I think, on Amazon if you want yeah. to do that. But um, I don't know why. I don't understand. I think it's on it's on something in the States, whether it's um Peacock, the NBC thing, or Hulu, I'm not sure. It's such a shame that it's not available to watch here on, like, an Amazon Prime or whatever else. I can't here, feel... Uh, when I say here, the UK and Ireland. But, yeah.
2: But it's, like, it must be a conspiracy. Like, someone is actively stopping it being streamed. That is my... That is yeah. My like, because so, <laughs> everything else is available and some... It would be available, but someone, yeah. Theresa Rebeck, must be, like, must have legal... <laughs> team being like this is not allowed to be streamed
0: blocking it oh yeah, God. it's the only
2: explanation
0: i will say just as a little disclaimer as well before we really get into it like we both as we've said absolutely love the show um but i think and i think anybody who knows the show will appreciate this that to know smash and to love smash is to kind of be ready to confront the things about it that are terrible and there are some things about it that are not gray and as much as this podcast is supposed to be celebrating things we're going to do a lot of that but we're also going to you know if we need to call out something we're going to do that but it's all with you know respect and uh appreciation for it and how excellent it is overall and how much we love it
2: and i think like i think so much of it is what you project on it and like what you want from it as a tv show and like Theresa Rebeck so she she's a playwright who created it and it is she it came from her idea and she was yeah. basically the showrunner of series 1 as like a complete theater geek who I'd never seen anything like that in TV where it was like oh this is the world that like I know everything about and that I want to see like so that's why you Did people love it because I can't think of anything else like it. So yeah, it's hard that when you're like the thing that represents your interest is on primetime TV premiering after The Voice in the US and getting like 9 million viewers and it's not very good. Like it's heartbreaking, but equally that's why we love it because there's a real lack of like other programs about like on the, on that theme.
0: It's we'll go we'll go through it. Um it's it's lifespan short as it was uh, as we go on, but it kind of started off as like legitimately like the next big thing on oh, NBC, yeah. right? Do you remember when you first heard about it? I was in I was
2: in America. Um and there was loads of there was loads of advertising for it and then obviously yeah. anyone related to theater and like theater blogs and internet was talking about it so but they they hyped like steven spielberg was involved so the pilot they spent so much money on it they thought it was going to be like the next big thing it wasn't this isn't like a fringy thing that kind of that was a bit throwaway like they threw threw the kitchen sink at it hoping it was going to work
0: yeah they really believed in it and it's strange that they were so confident because it hadn't been tested before. Like th- this kind of show had never been tried out. You could you could say Glee maybe, and Glee had made an impact on the charts uh, with with the, the songs they released, and you could definitely see that through Smash. They were trying to get the chart success uh, with the cover versions, but like it, I don't think, especially aimed at an adult audience, a primetime NBC um, nine o'clock, eight o'clock, whatever it was. I don't. I just don't think there was any real precedent for it. So it was kind of a swing and a miss in that sense but like still very admirable for it completely And wasn't the show originally going to be on Showtime or it was going to be um, for a more adult audience so it would have been able to show a lot more, you know, casting couch situations and all that? Have you heard that?
2: Oh, I haven't, but that's kind of like...
0: Yeah, hmm. I believe that's the case that originally it was actually going to just be a little bit racier and it was going to be on a smaller network until whoever it was at NBC or... Obviously, I suppose if Steven Spielberg is involved in anything and he was the executive producer, you probably are going to take a punt on it and... And hope for the best Now Will we Take our listeners Those who know the show On a A trip down memory lane And those who don't know the show We could They can just experience The uh, The story And the wonder Through us now Will we go through season one Yes Oh we should mention Before we start I suppose For all the criticisms That we may make Of the show And that have been made One thing that I think Is beyond Criticism Is the music uh, As written by Mark Shaman And Scott Whitman For the musical bombshell absolutely flawless in my opinion would you agree with that
2: oh you know you know i agree the concept of the whole show is that it's about people putting on a show it's a musical about marilyn monroe called bombshell mark shaman and scott whitman create the musical basically as a musical because i guess that's what they had to do to map out how it would act obviously doesn't have a book but like it has basically a two-act structure and and those songs kind of drip 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 throughout even season one and two so you get like production numbers and rehearsals and then i don't know whether they wrote on spec for each episode or whether they like wrote it as a show. And then,
0: yeah, well I have a bit of an insight into that because I found this piece that Mark Shaman, uh, one of the composers had written on the very last day of the show he wrote on Facebook he just wanted to put down his thoughts on every single song that they had written for the show he kind of goes into his frustrations with the whole process and it's generally a very positive piece but he really does mention a few times the um, micromanaging that happened from the network and uh, he says uh, too many chefs is the most succinct way to say what went wrong but there wasn't a single soul working on the show that didn't want it to be great everyone just had a different idea of what that was as you go through the piece he wrote he He mentions Back and forth getting notes on this song that song can it be a bit more like this oh actually we don't need that song anymore can you write a song for this uh, purpose and it really does seem that they didn't have the luxury of actually planning it out as its own show because it seemed that they just worked on songs as they got these instructions in and what are the amazing things there's so many amazing things about this music but the fact that almost all the songs reflect both what's happening in Marilyn's life at the point in the show and all also what's happening with the character who's singing that song like so whatever's happening with the quote-unquote real-life character in their personal lives the fact that they were able to do it pretty much on the fly it seems to me is just incredible achievement oh absolutely
2: yeah I think that's really really skillful and I think I mean I love Hairspray but I just think this is the best this is their best music and this this is
0: Even in the best of circumstances, for people to come up with these songs would be what an achievement. I mean, there's some
2: clangers in there, let's not lie. We'll <laughs> get back to, to that later.
0: Let's do season one. You take us into the world of Smash and what we see in the first episode. So the world of Smash kind of
2: begins, it sets everyone up with the characters and you have a producer um, who's played by Angelica Houston and her husband who are going through a divorce. So she is looking for a next big idea. You have two songwriters um, played by Christian Ball and Deborah Messing, um, and many have commented that the Deborah Messing character is the
0: Theresa Rebeck character. Yeah, she basically wrote herself into it, right? So they are also
2: looking for their next project via an evil assistant called Ellis, who throws them the idea of Marilyn. It's all complicated by the ever-beautiful and ever-wonderful husband of Bri- that is Brian Darcy James, who's completely wasted. They have a son who doesn't crop up in season two because he didn't test well, so he gets cursed. I don't even think they probably reference where he went. I think they just... He just never came back.
0: Oh, he, he's he's at the he's at the premiere for oh, Bombshell. Yeah. That's the one episode he's in in season imagine two. Imagine being yeah. like,
2: yeah, we need you back for the premiere because it won't make sense if you're not there.
0: But he was kind of like the the main punching bag of see him and Ellis. I would say were the things that people really went to town on when they were hating, were, hate watching this show. Which they ended up a lot of people ended up doing. This right.
2: is true. And I'll well, let's get back to I'll stick a pin in Ellis for a second. It sets up the main protagonists, which are. Ivy Lynn and Karen Cartwright, played by Megan Hilty and Catherine McPhee. So they're the two female protagonists for the whole series who are essentially going to battle for the role of Marilyn in this new musical. And one of which, um, Ivy Lynn, who is a very kind of established Broadway performer. And the other one is a Trump supporter. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs>
0: Yeah, so Catherine McPhee, so a little sidebar. Since the show, she's been quite prolific on social media with very, very LGBT-friendly meme content. So whatever meme that was happening or trending on Twitter, Catherine McPhee would pop up, slash her team, whoever it was, would have made a version of that that applies to her. And then it was discovered. So she would, like, tweet every day, multiple times a day, whatever.
2: Hello, my gay
0: boys. Yeah, hello, my gay boys. Yeah, so actually, um, we got some correspondence on this. So Cliff says buy my gay boys just in relation to this whole uh, scandal. So it just came out people were checking the records of people who were donating to the Republican Party and she popped up on it. And as Twitter likes to do people kind of you know cancelled her honestly I don't mind what somebody's political standpoint is you know to a degree but when she was so laser focused on appealing to the audience that appreciated her the most which was her gay fans her gay boys or whatever there's a definite little um, hypocrisy going on there so by the end of the episode we're set up with Karen and Ivy the episode as we know ends with let me be your star song for the ages as they're both battling to get this part
2: and that's kind of how the series continues for the next two series and it's always this like who's gonna be Marilyn the show
0: is insistent on telling us that Karen is amazing oh my god she's such a star but it just seems to me especially in retrospect that from the very beginning well Ivy should get the part like like why would you why would you not just give it to Ivy that's it
2: and I think even rewatching it again the stakes are never high enough because you know that Ivy deserves the part like on every level
0: they just made her into a horrible person
2: yeah, and they and they really damage her by like making her jump through all the hoops for it and justify herself in a role that like she's born to play, basically. I mean, Uma Thurman comes in.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Months. Okay, so <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. um And Jason says, yeah, they were crazy to choose Karen over Ivy. Spoiler alert. Anyway, very early in season one, Ivy gets the part, at least for the workshop. They're like, you're our Marilyn, you know, for now. And Karen has to go into the chorus.
2: Is she known an study? I don't know. But she's, yeah, she's in the chorus.
0: And then there's, you know, awkward moments of her like singing too loud in the rehearsal room and stuff. And the, everyone calling her Iowa because she's from there. And I guess it's just like everyone being mean to her because she's a, a country girl. Hello, those gay boys in
2: the ensemble did not have time for her.
0: No, no, no. Absolutely not. They knew. They took one look there and they were like, no, nah, there's trouble with this one. And so much of that first season is like... Karen's adventures, like you know, oh, we're we're going to the karaoke bar, and oh, I'm singing at a bar mitzvah, and I'm recording a song, and I'm outside of the actual production of the musical. It's like let's follow her on her journey to being the star that we're telling you she's destined to be.
2: That's it, and it's probably it's like you're right. The whole thing kind of followed her as like an underdog, basically. But they they pitched an underdog against another underdog and someone who's worked hard in multiple shows. And it was like, so you can't really have that dynamic when you can't root for someone when there's someone better to root for that is more deserving. And you're right, the bar mitzvah and how is she going to like, she would always do some awful cover of like a Rihanna song.
0: The covers were such a, like, have, have you ever chosen to listen to any cover in the show since ever?
2: I mean, to be honest, I edited on my iTunes them out of the, I never wanted to like be on shuffle somewhere and then all of a sudden like
0: i guess the people that the casual people watching tv like to hear songs that they already know but until we get to under pressure which is at the very end there's no re- noteworthy cover versions oh except i will say i'll take this opportunity to say you know the robin song dancing on my own oh yeah and Callum Scott, that guy went on Britain's Got Talent and sang a version of that, a ballad version, and it was huge, like it's got more streams on Spotify than Robin's original. And a lot of people are annoyed about that. And I get that the original should have all the attention. But what really bothers me about that is the arrangement that he sang of that song, which is the slowed down piano, mournful version. That originated on Smash. That Ivy sings that in I think season two. So in as much as okay, it's annoying that he's singing this song by Robin, at least Robin's getting getting paid for that because she wrote it. But Smash never gets the credit for that and I just need this platform to say that. Okay. Okay. All right. (laughs) So um, Ivy gets the part. Karen is dealing with her boyfriend who has a really boring storyline about where is he working again?
2: Oh, he works in the mayor's office. He tells you about the mayor's office, like basically.
0: So tedious. The the writer character Julia is looking to adopt a baby from China. That's kind of dropped at a certain point, but like that seemed to be something that uh, teresa Rebek was doing in her own life. So it's like, why not put it in the show? Well, it's not very interesting. And so all the while, as we go through season one, it's really just about building to things like building to the the workshop and then building to opening night. Um, but there are various spanners thrown in the works. Is this where you? kind of want to mention Alice a little bit
2: Yeah, who is like literally a comedy evil sidekick assistant that they have. He starts off by like filming really kind of like openly, like holding his phone like your grandma would hold a phone and filming someone. And no one in the room realizes he's filming. And then he posts it on YouTube. So he's just like a phone on everyone's side. And then basically he gets to a point where he poisons Uma Thurman with a peanut.
0: Okay, Uh, so let's get to there. So at a certain point, Ivy gets the part, but it's decided that... Actually, she's not famous enough, or whatever. She's not a name. We need a name, and then in comes in Swans the character of Rebecca Duval as played by Uma Thurman for like a four-episode stint. So she it is it's established that she mentions, "Oh, I can't have any peanuts because I got a peanut allergy." As you were saying, the Machiavellian Ellis. Um, <laughs> why does he? Why does he poison her?
2: I think because he probably realizes that she's crap and that they won't fire her. So he, I think he wants to kind of make. Ivy get the role and um, oh that's
0: what it is yeah 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 wait so after Uma Thurman is poisoned do they just say Karen
2: yeah basically Karen just gets the like Derek the director Jack Davenport, British
0: yeah who's um, so convinced that Karen is a star
2: so she gets put in well we've forgotten the bit that um, Ivy sleeps with with Dev, the boyfriend yeah.
0: of Karen. Ivy sleeps with the boyfriend of Karen. Then something happens behind the scenes between season one and season two. By the way, season one just ends with Karen has the part and she gets sings a song at the end. But did you there was this article that was written between
2: seasons, right? So basically there was a lot of shenanigans going on backstage of like not even the fictional show, of like the full-on creation of the TV show. Yes. So they've already commissioned season two, but basically the tea was that everyone behind the scenes called it uh, their words dictatorship and there was lots of things that like just weren't working and they basically needed to go in a different direction for season two yeah so they ended up firing teresa rebeck when i said they legal disclaimer i don't know who they is so don't come at me yeah. Um she was fired and they brought on a showrunner called
0: Joshua Saffron, I think his name is. Yes, yeah. He had done Gossip um, Girl and stuff. And I, I guess he was brought on to kind of sex it up a bit.
2: Sex it up. And that that was clearly the brief. It was like we need to like skew younger, massive overhaul. You got such whiplash from like watching episode season two, episode one, being like, Yeah, why did you you should have just made a different show? This is so different.
0: There are some new characters and there is a new musical, so it's not all about bombshell anymore. So obviously
2: um, they get to a point where they're like, "People, this is not going to sustain interest." So they had to like inject a young, creative, yeah, new L mu- G musical that used pop songs, and you they brought on new composers. They kept like Mark and Scott to keep continue writing bombshell and miscellaneous songs.
0: Yes. Um, well, you know, Passick and Paul were involved, weren't they? Who went on to write the Greatest Showman and Dear Evan Hansen? True. So a lot of up and coming people but it didn't have that consistency of writing that bombshell has so season two begins with karen is playing marilyn but then she comes across the enigmatic bad boy turned good maybe uh, jimmy collins As she overhears him singing this song he is like this tortured young writer uh, in in brooklyn living in this ridiculous looking loft with his gay friend kyle and that kind of becomes the new little diversion away from Bombshell. By all accounts, the the network or the uh, Joshua Safra and the new showrunner kind of wanted to just stop focusing so much on Bombshell. So season two, what's the general through line there? So we have um, Jennifer Hudson for a few episodes, kind of in a, a throwaway role. I think just a name to get people uh, interested again for the first few episodes, wasn't it?
2: She's a name. And basically, uh, season two just brings these two different shows. And I guess it's interesting because one is a commercial Broadway musical the other is like an edgy hip cool like off off broad well off Broadway really scrappy musical that doesn't really have a plot doesn't really have like a narrative doesn't I mean has cobbled together songs so you kind of see I guess from an outsider you're seeing two different ways of putting a musical on so then the the rather than the people becoming underdogs the shows become underdogs so yeah and this is thing with season two it, it in the way that they like tried in season one to force you to care about the more they forced you to care about karen the more you cared about ivy the more they forced hit List down your throat the more you actually you would like i just want to fucking see bombshell
0: that is very true
2: they kind of just rehashed the same story where it's like who's going to play the role of the diva and then karen decides that after like she wants to be all artistic and work on a new show rather than this bombshell. is
0: yeah this is the most ridiculous part of the show to me the fact that she was in the part so she is marilyn and the director leaves and then another one of the composers becomes a director and she ends up just going actually no i don't want this um leading role on broadway anymore i'm just going to do this brand new show with no backing and i'm just going to do that instead
2: yeah they set bombshell up as this like sinking ship that's too yeah. commercial um, isn't cool because it's about Marilyn and it's very fifties pastiche and it's a golden age musical and, but again, I, I really feel the more they forced that narrative, the more you, um, I did. I was like, I hate Hitlers. Like I would I, even now, I'll fast forward anything to do with Hitlers because it's so boring.
0: <laughs> well, that's that was going to be one of my questions to you. I literally have <laughs> written down here. Um, name a Hitler song you like other than Broadway. Here I come. Is there one? I mean, I.
2: I can't. Um, broader here I come, disclaimer, I don't mind Broadway here. I yeah, I,
0: I predicted that. So that's why I put in that little thing. <laughs> like, name, um, any other song you could say you like. Yeah, I just can't do it. Fair enough. So we have this storyline of Kyle, the one of the writers of Hit List, unfortunately meets his untimely end. And then there's this mirroring of what happened with Rent. There's an outpouring of grief. Ivy's storyline in season two is a complete redemption, right? It's like, actually, no, I'm a lovely person and I just have issues with my mom and everyone's gonna love me now. I think that the writers kinda got a sense in between season one and two that this whole everybody worship Karen thing is not really playing. So let's let's just twist it a bit and let's actually make Ivy the hero of the show.
2: I think she even like she even starts like season two by being, like apologizing to everyone.
0: But I'm glad they did that because Megan Hilty is so talented, a great actor, amazing singer, and actually kind of just deserved more than I'm the bitch or I'm okay. the antagonist, I'm the person you should be rooting against. Like, no. And then they bring in like bad boys. It's like, oh, someone has
2: drugs and they smoke, and like, oh, they're, they're really edgy. So and they he wears a leather jacket them. all the time. He wears leather and sings show tunes. Like,
0: yeah. Um, so season two of course, ends with we come back around to a Karen versus Ivy thing at the Tony Awards. So it's Karen versus Ivy and Bombshell versus Hit List. Remind me, spoiler alert, remind me who wins.
2: So Hit List wins seven Tonys. Okay. uh, But Bombshell wins Best Musical and Best Actress for Ivy.
0: Okay, okay. And Dead Kyle wins Best something, right? Best book.
2: Dead Kyle wins best book, even though the show doesn't have a book. And he basically did not write anything, but Sympathy wins the day.
0: We haven't even mentioned Leslie Odom Jr., which he would probably prefer because he's taken Smash out of his uh, bio and playbill. Oh, has he? Yeah, apparently he doesn't mention it. Um, So he went on to have a huge career and is having a huge career. Uh, People probably know he was in Hamilton and he's doing a lot of film work these days. He's actually in that Sia film. That should have been in the news section earlier, actually. Have you heard about that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that whole mess. I just
2: didn't want to go down that Yeah, I didn't
0: want to even go there. Um, that is a, a very um, free-flowing recap of what actually happens in the show. Probably confusing. Yeah, but like if, you, if you've seen it, you got it. And if you, if you haven't, then we didn't spoil it too much because it didn't make that much sense. Will we talk about the music and what we love in that regard? Absolutely. I mean, the music makes it. The real joy of Smash is, of course, in the musical numbers and the music itself. I asked you to have a little think about what you would say are your top five numbers in the series i'm gonna guess the hit list does not feature
2: my list ends with the bollywood number and then hit list everything from hit list is underneath
0: well i want to say i want to be the justice for hit list person because i would say i actively like almost all of the songs in that show but listen
2: let's it it, it is a very kevin musical if someone was going to describe it i'd say it's a very kevin musical
0: yeah, I do like a gimmicky thing. I like a up and coming, scrappy uh, kind of vibe. Yeah, but listen, let's talk about our top fives. Should I go backwards? Yeah, I go backwards from five.
2: Five begins as my only cover, which shock oh. horror. We need to discuss this because it is under pressure <laughs> by Queen. Okay.
0: So, know. Under Pressure, um it didn't make my top 5, but it is in my honorable mentions. It opens the very last episode.
2: Basically, it's like, yeah, it's like an old-fashioned montage scene, isn't it?
0: Yeah, where all the characters are coming together to go to the theater where the Tonys are going to be happening. And do you is this in your top 5 for legitimate reasons or for other reasons? For other reasons,
2: <laughs> probably. But it's one it's like the thing I think about most.
0: Can you explain the reasons you have in mind
2: so basically everyone gets given a line or oh, some people get given more than one line but Deborah messing has I mean she's she steals the whole number with her interjections <laughs> which begin I mean I don't even want to recreate it I feel that you can cut this into the- I think
0: I will have to I don't usually use um commercial music in the podcast but I think I'm gonna make an exception so I'm just gonna play that section right now
1: dance, it never rains but it pours.
0: And so that that is all there is, and uh, it should give you a taste of why you like it so much.
2: I mean, absolutely.
0: Hashtag people on the streets. My number five. I chose probably the best number if you were ever to see the show in person. Uh, but I just like four four songs more than it, so I picked "Let's Be Bad" in the fifth place. If that's in your top four, we can talk about it when you get to it. If not, what do you think? It wasn't. It okay. did not
2: feature it. Also- it would be it would be my top ten.
0: Right, okay. It's it's great though, right? It's like that bit where she's doing the um puppet puppetry, where they're like moving oh, yeah. her elbow and her knee and she's like, Oh, it's just so just excellent, excellent. So what have you got in fourth place?
2: In fourth place, it's the song that he, they write for Liza Minnelli to deliver and it's called Love Letter from the Times.
0: It is lovely.
2: It is a really nice it's a pretty song and obviously like she delivers it and delivers it. But although, actually, now I'm remembering. that Someone did a piece about like the trauma of getting her to turn up to film that scene.
0: Oh, really? Google it. Okay, my number four is they just keep moving the line from season two. So this is um, an Ivy powerhouse number. And actually, in, in Mark Shaman's little piece on Facebook, he says that he was disappointed that it wasn't staged in an elaborate way. But he says, let, let me find the exact quote. We were shocked at the filming that there was no theatrical lighting for this number. But luckily, Megan's inner lighting did the trick. Um, is, that, is that in your top three?
2: I'm going to spoiler alert and say that was my number one. I just think it's, I mean, I'm here for a ballad and I'm here for a belt. And i'm here for megan hilty so like it just it's like tick 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 yeah and it's also one of the songs that karen doesn't ruin because a lot of the time they um split them so that you there's two versions Yeah. True. and again i've had to like purge my itunes and make sure that karen's version of don't forget me never plays <laughs> anywhere um, so just keep moving the line is like ivy's song do not come near it
0: uh what's your number three
2: well enjoyable because of the staging as well the national pastime ah the baseball number because i love a baseball number
0: my number three is don't forget me yeah Uh, which version uh which version ivy's version now i there was a very interesting little nugget about this that i'm going to remind you of slash tell the listeners about because mark shaman in his piece he says that they had written a gospel a pop gospel number in this slot so this is the very end of the show and oh. it was going to be the end of season one. And do you remember towards the end of season one, Karen goes to church. They all go to church and Karen sings that was going to lead in to inspiration for the Ryder characters to do a gospel number for the end of the show. So he says it was going to be called in the city of angels. And then they just got notes back. They wanted something more upbeat and triumphant. And Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman are like, why would she be upbeat and triumphant? She just OD'd alone after a lifetime of heartache. And they said, just write it. And they said they were pissed off, but they were happy that they did because they say, here's to too many chefs and corporate micromanaging because the song that actually came out of that was Don't Forget Me, which, and that just gives you a sense of the pressure, the circumstances that they were working under, that they still managed to go, okay, we'll write another song then. And then Don't Forget Me came out of it. Um, Martin actually asked us, who sings don't forget me better and yes we do both think that it's ivy don't we i mean 100 i mean
2: even like stepping
0: aside from it oh yeah objectively okay what's your number two my number two
2: is secondhand white baby grand gorgeous which gorgeous, I just,
0: gorgeous song.
2: and it's it's really specific to the story of marilyn and her mom buying at this point um and it's just a beautiful song and again i don't I'm pretty sure we don't get a Karen version of it. We just get Megan's version of it.
0: Yeah, no, I love that song. And actually, I, I can't let an episode happen without a Mariah mention, but Mariah actually owns that piano. She bought it. Uh, That's right. Yeah. My other honourable mentions, I actually put in two songs from Hit List for all the Hit List fans out there. <laughs> you may not have heard these songs before in your life, but <laughs> Rewrite This Story I think is great. And I think I Heard Your Voice in a Dream. Do you know that song?
2: Is that the one where they're in a
0: garage? <laughs> Maybe. Um, but it's got it's got great choreography. The choreography for that is excellent. So wait, so your number two was secondhand white baby grand, and your number one—I've spoiled it—was mm-hmm. moving the line. Yeah. Where is Let Me Be Your Star in your top five?
2: It's like a six or a seven. It's like it's, it felt too obvious.
0: I put it number two. That's how obvious I am. My number one. Do you have any predictions? Do you have any guesses? Um,
2: I mean, I do know how much you love the right regrets. <laughs>
0: The actor has an empty page. <laughs> it's not that. It's not Dig Deep, which I think is the worst song on, in Bobby oh, Shaw. I mean, to be honest, Dig
2: Deep might even fall between underneath some Hitler's tracks. Oh, really?
0: Okay. My number one, and I think I'm just using my platform that I have, my small little podcast platform, to um, campaign for justice for A Thousand and One Nights, my number one song from Smash. So <laughs> Don't be so silly. <laughs> no I picked it you have to accept it um, I mean I think it is just the most joyful wonderful uh number in the show it makes me so happy it, it sums up everything I like about musicals it's got a key change everybody's involved it's just so fun and colorful and it doesn't deserve the hate uh cultural appropriation yeah uh, oh there's there is cultural appropriation I forgot about that but that is my number one, and you can't change it. And there you go. Okay, I'll <laughs> accept it. All right, thanks. Um, if if you're listening to this and you agree with the concept of justice for a thousand and one nights, let me know at Gay People Pod. So I'm just I just want to give every character in this show their moment on the podcast. Okay, all the main ones at least. So we're gonna just do like a word association. I'll just name a character, and you give me a word. Great. So let's go. Tom. Creep. <laughs> Julia. Scarfs. Perfect. Derek. Dickhead. Ivy. Fit. Fit? Mm. Love it. Karen. Bitch.
2: (laughs) Eileen. Iconic. Ellis. The true hero of the show.
0: Okay, well, we'll take a phrase. Dev. Bland. Frank. (laughs) I don't remember who the fuck Frank is. Eileen's husband. No. Brian Darcy James. Oh,
2: memorable. So memorable. (laughs) Leo. Who? The son, Leo. That was my response. Who? Oh, Sorry. (laughs) Sam. Wasted talent. Um, Jimmy. Trash. Kyle. Bigger trash.
0: Anna. Oh, Anna.
2: I love her as a person, so she's um, dear to my heart. Lee Conroy. Um, I've already used Iconic. Iconic like again. Bobby. Underused. Linda. Oh, she wins. She's the winner of the whole series. If anyone comes up top in Smash, it's Linda.
0: Is there anybody else that I didn't mention? Um yeah, I'm quite
2: into from my series one rewatch, the guy who plays I remember he goes on a date with um he asked Tom on a date and he's like Ivy's confidant.
0: Yeah, when I rewatched it, I was like, who the fuck is this? He should have um stuck around in the show. Okay, so Dom, are you ready for some unpopular opinions? Yeah. Okay, let's go. Pop, 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 unpopular opinions. Let me see, what have we got? So Lucy tells us, Lucy messaged all the way from Australia and said Hit List was better than Bombshell. Um, that is an unpopular opinion, I'll definitely say that. I don't think I can get behind it, but I do think Hit list is all right
2: well i wonder if lucy like does the opposite of what i do and whether she fast forwards all the bombshell
0: boring my sister says season two is shite and she follows that up with karen is made into a drip and ivy had a personality transplant and that is true karen is really annoying in season two moaning about jimmy the whole time and ivy as much as i do love her she is a a completely different character (laughs) she's unrecognizable marcus says it should have stopped after the first season i've had two attempts to watch season two and never got through it it, it is a bit of a slog, but there's definitely some highlights in there, particularly if you're a Bombshell fan. Would you agree? Oh,
2: yeah, definitely. It would be very strange to have just imagined it like ending yeah. in season one and then being like...
0: Never getting to Broadway.
2: Yeah, and you'd just be like really unsatisfied that it's ended. Because the thing was is we all like hate watched it by the end and like you watch it with love and admiration and hate yeah, so like a
0: cocktail happening
2: yeah exactly and in, in an era where like Mozart in the Jungle is like on season 5 like i'm sorry oh, i've
0: still never seen that
2: no. yeah
0: okay marcus also says as an amdram queen himself he loves the rehearsal room scenes the way it shows the graft it takes to put on a show how it gets to the stage the cat fights the drama and that is I, I remember texting you when i was re-watching it that basically for me smash is like at its best whenever the scene is in the rehearsal room like every scene in the rehearsal room is good and every other scene is 50 50 like it could go either way mark on twitter asks why are they and this is we can get into the future of smash here why are they apparently doing a smash broadway musical when they could just do a production of bombshell now so if anybody doesn't know uh, when the show ended bombshell the fake maryland musical went into development to become a real show and then this year a few months ago only it was announced that actually we're not doing that. We're making Smash the musical. So we're making a musical about the making of the musical. So the question is, why are they doing that? Why do you think that uh, change happened? I'll like
2: believe that when I see it. I think they kind of hadn't had a press release for a while. So someone really? just like sent out a press release.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> it just makes, it makes no sense. Like shows about putting on shows don't really work mm. in a really, in a broad sense. And they know that Smash effectively flopped. So why would you be like, oh, let's do this flopped concept? Whereas the concept people want is the musical bombshell on stage. They know it kind of has an appeal and that it could technically work. But I don't really see what would be gained by doing smash as a
0: musical yeah james also asked if waitress can be on the west end why can't this uh mean a bombshell but they have said that the smash musical is only going to take the very bare bones of the tv show like i think the characters of tom and julia the composers and maybe Derek or something and the, the karen and ivy thing obviously i don't think it's taken anything else and i suppose i like the idea of let me be your star being a duet like so the only way that works as a like a duet where they're both kind of fighting each other uh, or at least in competition with each other the only way that song works is if it's smash rather than bombshell because she, marilyn just sings it herself right in bombshell
2: yeah i guess so that's the song that makes more sense in the smash world than it does in the bombshell world i mean i wouldn't be investing 20 million
0: i believe in it i believe in it i think it's gonna be great i was just reminded actually you know the song smash that they sing towards the end of like season one It's like Marilyn and a chorus girl. Yeah, it's not great but uh, at least not great in that context but going back to Mark Shaman he said that he, they wrote that to be the theme tune for the show and they just said no it's too musical theatre which is just bizarre
2: The fact that like you have someone on that production crew who says this theme tune is too musical theatre you're just like well there lies the problem with this yeah, whole
0: Yeah that's that absolutely the the too many cooks thing and people sticking their oar in and stuff to something that really they should have just let happen uh, in an uninterrupted way we would have got something probably even better than it turned out Dan from episode one of the podcast asks my question is there's to be a further season of smash who would you choose to be number one Guest star and number two recurring regular in that new series can be dead or alive. Basically, who would you cast in a new season of Smash?
2: Well, let's be honest, James Corden can do no wrong in my <laughs> book, and no one's allowed to do a musical without James Corden involved. So I would be all for him playing all roles, which would probably inevitably happen because you know what, Ryan Murphy would probably direct it.
0: Probably, he probably would. um Okay, so Dom, are you ready to test your Smash knowledge in a quiz?
2: I am, but can I pee first? Go for it. Is it a quiz? Yes. Is it a quiz? Yes. Yes, it
0: is. I know. It's a quiz. Let's go. i back. Are you ready to go up against the intellectual heavyweights that have been on this podcast before and tackle the quiz? Yes. <laughs> okay, good. We have three categories, easy, medium, hard. We have seven questions that you must choose. I don't know why it's seven, as pointed out by Andrew last uh, time, but it is what it is. So you're aiming for 10 points. Freddie is still the leader. The maximum amount of points you can get for some reason is 19. Just bear that in mind. Where would you like to start with your category?
2: I'm going to start with easy just to see where you're pitching these things. Okay,
0: easy. So I should have said easy is one point, medium two points, hard three points okay easy for one point who is the first person to sing in let me be your star Karen. <laughs> yeah correct correct uh what's your next category
2: i'll go medium then medium
0: who is the irish man referenced in never give all the heart oh um i know this um you take as much time yeah, as you need correct you're on three. Where would you like to go next? Let's go hard then. Oh my god, you're brave. Three songs from Smash were nominated for Emmy Awards. One was Let Me Be Your Star. Can you name one of the other two?
2: Was one Hang the Moon? Correct! Well done. And I'm gonna guess the other one was from Hitlist, so I have no idea.
0: It was from Hitlist. So we actually had a real life Smash versus Hitlist in the real world at the Emmys, but neither of them won. It was I Heard Your Voice in a Dream, the one I mentioned before with the good um, choreography. Okay, so you are on six points with four questions left. It is looking good. Where would you like to go? Let's go
2: hard again then.
0: According to Wikipedia, so I have to put that disclaimer in, which song (laughs) opens Act 2 of Bombshell? Don't go on Wikipedia now. I'll hear you if you're typing. Act 2.
2: Isn't it the one, oh, it's the one where like, they can't get the plane to move, so they have to do... It's like the one with Lee Strasberg studio. It's like method acting...
0: Duh, dig D? Correct. After four questions, with three to go, six, seven, eight, nine. <gasps> oh, okay. Well, I'll go
2: hard again. Just
0: What is the last word spoken or sung in the TV show?
2: <laughs> um, me?
0: No, it is over at the end of big finish uh they go oh where are you going she goes oh show's over oh
2: i forgot all about big finish
0: i actually enjoyed again going back to mark shaman he said that you know they could have written a big don't forget me let me be your star kind of song but uh what is it he said the quote was quite good by the time we were writing this song we knew it was all over and felt like going out with some fuck you swagger so that's five questions two questions left and you are on nine six seven eight nine yeah
2: let's go medium
0: medium all right what is the name of the character that nick jonas plays oh,
2: um we didn't even mention him in our roundup
0: no we didn't although i would have liked the opportunity to say that i met him uh, at the interval of memphis the musical in the west end have i told you that story Oh, I don't think you did, actually. Was that because you saw it 14 times? Uh, I did see it 14 times. Loved it. Uh, But he was very nice, and I was very impressed that he was just standing there at the bar for ages, waiting to be served like a normal person, and I appreciated that. And I told him his song was very good, Jealous, which it is. And he said, thanks, man. Okay, so, (laughs) sorry to distract. Who did he play? Can't remember. Okay, the answer was Lyle West. Lyle. Yeah. So, last question. You're on nine points.
2: I don't have the balls for hard ones. I'm gonna go medium.
0: Medium. Okay. If you get this, you'll still you will take over as the leader in this game. So this is a big moment. <clears throat> as mentioned at the Tony Awards in the final episode, which show in this fictional world was directed by Diane Paulus?
2: Oh, I know this too. <laughs> um,
1: Oliver. Correct. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs> correct. That's a very well earned win. uh well, Eleven points. You have taken over Freddie on the leaderboard. Congratulations. I also want to mention before we wrap up the Lin Manuel Miranda cameo. Do you remember that? This is obviously pre, obviously pre Hamilton, and he was just an, oh, yeah. an asshole in it. And like Tom is like, I hate that guy. Anyway, it's fun. He played himself, like an asshole version of himself. Um. Maybe this is my opportunity to mention that I spoke to him as well at a production of Bring It On, the musical. And I said, (laughs) hello, Mr. Miranda. Um, I just want to say I'm a big fan of your work. And he said, bless you. And that was it. All
2: right. Uh, It's like my story of peeing next to Alan Menken and was like, you're Alan Menken, right? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, I love music. And we were both at a urinal. And he's like, thanks. (laughs) Have you ever met Stephen Sondheim? no well, it's a lie i've been like in in a vicinity like basically i was in a group of people next to him they were next to and his little group of people but like what do you do you don't like go and like interact and it's kind of one of those things where like i wouldn't want him to not live up to my expectation and also again i don't want to just meet him and be like hi i like your work here's my tattoo of you (laughs) like
0: have you got one um Oh, of course you do on your wrist.
2: I have my Follies tattoo, but then next week, because tattoo shops are now reopening, I'm getting my Sunday in the Park with George tattoo, so... Are
0: you... Where's that going to be? On the opposite arm. So what, you have Follies on... It's on your forearm, right? Did you not... Yeah, you haven't seen me since then, have you? So you haven't seen it live. I've only seen it on the socials.
2: Yeah, so that's on my forearm, on my left forearm. So I'm going to get it in the matching place on my right.
0: Love it. Yeah.
2: I have a letter from him. I wrote to him once and he sent me a letter. So I have his signed letter and stuff. So that's kind of all I need.
0: Before we wrap up on Smash, I just want to mention the greatest garment that I have ever been given. Can you tell the listeners about that slash those? Was it a birthday present for you?
2: I just decided one day, well, why not create some Smash sock? Basically on the internet, somewhere you design your own socks. So we have socks that have on one side Ivy and on the left side um, Catherine.
0: Yeah.
2: But now it's basically spoiled a pair. So we're going to have to switch. So we both one of us has two Megan socks.
0: Yeah, you very kindly offered to send me a Megan sock. I
2: think
0: I'm fine with having the two. But when I was going on dates back in the time that I did that kind of thing, I don't think I ever mentioned this to you, but I used to wear those socks and then have other socks over them. Yeah, I wore them because... What if Smash came up in conversation and the, the guy liked the show? Wouldn't it be like funny for me that, to then say, oh, it's funny you should mention that because I have Smash socks. So there I was going out for my little drinks with people with secret, secret socks that I never got to reveal. Wow. That's a wrap on Smash, sadly. Until the next development, whenever there are future developments in the world of Smash, we're going to have to get you back on the podcast to give your take. When that smash musical finally appears. Alright, so let's go for some recommendations. The show is coming to an end, but it's what we would recommend my friend. So Dom, I uh, yeah, do you have anything to recommend to our listeners? I do.
2: I have a highbrow and a lowbrow one. So the lowbrow is my binge series that I'm watching in lockdown 2.0, which is, I'm not a big fan of reality TV in general, but I'm obsessed with okay. the show Below Deck. I've never which... seen this.
0: It oh, it so amazing.
2: basically it's like the behind the scenes of people who work on yachts. They're called yachties and it's kind of like it's made by like the real housewives team so it's very like real housewives vibes There's like a reunion show at the end of each okay. season and there's all like the drama of the staff and drama with the guests and it's enjoyable crash and you can start it and it will never end
0: excellent what's your highbrow recommendation my highbrow is um
2: obama's book which is called a promised land it's very long it's about 700 pages but it's a very it's a very good uh-huh. long like i have the physical book but i had an audible credit so i would recommend using um, your audible free subscription he reads it so there's nothing more soothing than like taking a walk in lockdown with him reading his memoir to you
0: my recommendation is so i started watching today i started watching the tv series the undoing with nicole kidman and hugh grant um it's like a mini limited run series mystery all that kind of stuff um and i'm not re- necessarily recommending the show um it was very good it was it seems to be uh, shaping up well But this is my first ever experience of seeing an item of clothing, apart from my smash socks, and just being kind of blown away by it. So in episode one, Nicole Kidman wears this dress and... Like, I would never usually notice these things. But it was just one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. So I immediately Googled Nicole Kidman dress in The Undoing. There's a bit of chat about it. it, It's got its fans out there. It's a Givenchy dress. It's six grand. It's sold out. And I just was transfixed by it. So I'm not recommending the show per se, but I am recommending the dress. So Dom, do you have three songs to add to the podcast playlist? I
2: do. And the first one is smash related obviously and even though it was somewhat neglected for my top five it is by far the kind of the, the smash song and that is letting me be Your star
0: excellent excellent i will gladly
2: add that again obviously you probably picked up i'm very into musical theater but i thought this would be kind of like an interesting version of a song and it's liza minnelli and the pet shop boys losing my mind
0: oh i've never heard this that's interesting oh. i like the sound of it
2: a- yeah well it's a very- interesting version of Song from Follies.
0: Good choice, and that's now the second appearance by the Pet Shop Boys on the playlist after Freddie oh. picked uh, one of their songs in his episode. I like it. And what's your final choice for the playlist? Well, I couldn't remember. You
2: haven't had any Abba on there, right? Correct. So I was like, "That I mean, we can't have four gays and not one Abba song. Um, <laughs> okay. But I'm going B-side and Head Over Heels
0: by Abba, which is... Head Over Heels? Do not know it. Do not. No, but I'm excited to uh, listen to it and add it to the playlist. My own submission, I'm going to go Smash 2, but I'm going to go away from the musical theater side. And I'm kind of reluctant to do this because of what we talked about. But I'm sorry, Touch Me is too big of a banger not to be on the playlist, in my opinion. It is the song that in season one, they try to bring the show down a, a pop route. And they come up with this song. And I just think it is an absolute banger. So I'm putting that on.
2: Okay. I'll accept it. It's your, it's your
0: world. <laughs> Do you hate it? Um. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, Dom, thank you for all that. You're um, a wonderful source of knowledge and uh, commentary on the wonderful TV show that is Smash. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So if anybody wants to um, talk Smash with you or uh, keep up with you on the socials, where can they find you?
2: not on twitter because i deleted that back in the summer um do you miss it no not a day good uh you can find me on instagram at good question it's like djwoh8888
0: djwoh88 trips off the tongue
2: i know it's just like it's excellent
0: all right thanks tom thank you Bye. bye So there we go. Thank you again to Dom for coming on to talk about Smash. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, let us know. You can find the podcast at Gay People Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can email. Uh, that's things gay people like at gmail.com. There's also the podcast playlist. That's Songs Gay People Like on Spotify. And there was something else I wanted to say. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to put up on Twitter. I'm going to put up a poll. I was going to do like Karen versus Ivy or Bombshell versus Hit List. But I think they're kind of foregone conclusions Unless Lucy in Australia gets all her mates to uh, skew the voting figures. But no, I'm going to do Let Me Be Your Star versus Don't Forget Me. So that could be an interesting one. So make sure you head on over to Twitter to vote on that. That's about it for this week. Uh, thank you to Rob for the main podcast team. Sorry to the people who hold the rights to Smash and to Queen for the little use of the music there. I hope this doesn't turn nasty. And... I'll be back in two weeks with another episode. This time it's back to the music world. Not that there wasn't plenty of music chat in this episode, but this will be an artist. Uh, still not Mariah, but extremely iconic. And I'll leave you now with my mom's final word on this week's topic. I know my mom hasn't watched Smash fully, so I sent her over, let me be your star, uh, the video, and asked who she would cast as Marilyn in a musical. So I'll leave you with her thoughts, and I'll talk to you next time.
1: Uh, my thoughts on who should be cast as Marilyn Monroe in Smash would be the girl with the dark hair. They're both very good, but I feel she just has the edge. Things